Welcome in to another great edition of That Sports Show. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. This is Impact Media's weekly all-sports show. It's been a while. It has been a while, folks. And it is super great to be back. Super great to be back. Uh, I'm going to catch you up on everything. Today is going to be... A lot of football. It's mostly, it's practically almost all NFL. Uh, I'm going to throw in a little bit of, of uh, rugby in Georgia State. But it is good to be back. Uh, welcome in, friends. I, I would hope, if you are a regular listener of this show, that you feel like we are at least internet friends. Uh, you guys know the deal. If you ever see me out at an event, uh, at least come say hello. If, you, if you're not interested in swag, that's fine. If you are, you said uh, we uh, we got some shirts and other things coming pretty soon across all our platforms. And if you see me at an event and you would like some swag, let's take a selfie and you put it up on social media. You tag us. You tag the show, and we get the swag to you. That's, that goes for anything. For those of you who saw the uh, the Major League Rugby work that I've been doing with Chris Wyatt, it goes the same way. I mentioned it on there. If you see me at a rugby match, I'm not I'm not that hard to find. I'm usually the only person wearing, uh, well, I guess a two-piece suit because it's a vest and a tie. I'm, I'm the most dressed-up person at a rugby match. Probably the only dressed-up person at a rugby match. Everybody else is wearing all the uh, gear. Uh, come find me. I'll, I will, even if we're at a rugby match, you want to ask me about Olympic curling. Let's talk. Olympic curling, that's one of my favorite things to watch during the Winter Olympics. I hope you guys are enjoying the Winter Olympics. We actually have curling on here. It is a rebroadcast of the, the gold medal mixed doubles game, uh, Italy and Norway. It was fantastic, but we're not here to talk about that. I'm going to start off by... Uh, We're going to start off, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a couple uh, Georgia State Panther notes, and uh, then we're going to talk rugby ATL. And then, like I said, the bulk of the show is NFL, because I want to catch you guys up on everything since the last time we talked as much as I can. And obviously, we're going to preview the Super Bowl, and I will give my pick. And I'll tell you, my pick has not changed since this matchup was made. A lot. Of, I've tried to make arguments one way or the other. You guys know I like to ping pong back and forth. I like to look at all the... The action, all the intel, all the information. The thing is, is not much at all has changed. I think only one player is not going to play in it because of a knee injury. And that, he didn't necessarily factor into my thought. So, we will uh, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. But, 
like I said, uh, oh, if you want to follow the show, uh, at the Impact 99 across all social medias, will pretty much find me, which means you'll find links to the show. Also, if you're on Twitter, at Team Impact Media, we'll find as well. It has nothing but the shows uh, on it. If you're on the Twitter platform, Facebook, just look for Impact Media. Look for me, Jeremy York. Look for that sports show because I don't think anything's called that. <laughs> I think we're the only ones. You never know. I'm sure there's something in some other random place. You know, maybe the scientists in Antarctica have a show called that. I don't know. But this is the one we do here. Georgia State News, and there's there's not a lot yet. Uh, we do know the spring game is going to be April the 1st. That is a Friday night at, I believe, 6 p.m. I will be there. Most of you will be there. I say most because not all you guys are probably Georgia State fans, but if you are a Georgia State fan, come on by. Spring games are fun. This one's going to be under the lights. The weather's going to be a little better. I, I would hope it will warm up by April. Um Hopefully the rain holds off, but those are always fun because they're a little more laid back. They're a little more, you know I mean, laid back is the best way to put it. They're just more relaxed. That's the word. They're more relaxed. You're able to just kind of take it in, kind of see what we're looking at. Spring game also doesn't always mean a lot. Uh, it's just good to see the guys get back out there and see that Georgia State football is closer to kicking off the season. I say it doesn't always mean a lot. Sometimes you see people in different positions. They have fun with it. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll see the backup or third-string quarterback really go out and light it up, which gets you super excited. Um, it's just going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And also some notes, because you guys have, uh, have asked me about it, and I was able to find out the answers. There have been, there have been a couple people to transfer out. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that, once again, shows in the same fact that now we the transfer portal has helped us as we have been able to get people to transfer in, like Darren Granger, the starting quarterback, and, and many others. The fact that people are transferring out in order to, you know, try to have in order to have um, other opportunities. I think that shows where the program is at. And a couple of the people who have transferred out, uh, wide receiver, or uh, I guess running back, Destin Coates. Destin did some great things for us. Uh, we definitely wish him all the best. He is going to go to Florida A&M. Uh, it, it's about opportunity. And uh, Destin was, was uh, one of the uh, top two running backs. And then this year we saw the emergence of uh, just, just our run game exploded. And it exploded uh, with two other people other than him. Let's see, can we get that pulled up? 
Nope, it's not that. Um, also, Sam Pinckney, who was the first to uh, to hop in the portal. Well, no, actually, Kawhi Brown did. Let's see if we can get this pulled up because I had a whole list. Uh, but Sam Pinckney, he's going to go to Coastal Carolina. Sam was coming off an injury this year. He did some pretty good things. I uh, was able to get back. It was good to see I when he, when he caught the touchdown. That really meant a lot to him, the program, and, and then even the fans that uh, Sam was Sam was able to, to come back off. He was a knee injury. And Sam's a super cool guy. Uh, the fact that, that he's going to a rival is kind of interesting. I don't think he's doing it at all to you know, I don't think he's doing it he's not doing it to You know, stick it to the organization because for one, that's not Sam. But we all know that this program likes to run the ball. It's a very run-first, pound the ball. They do very well at it. So Sam realizes that in order to be featured in a passing game, he had to go somewhere else. So he did. And, you know, we wish him the best. Let's see. I swear I had a... I had this pulled up somewhere. Not sure why I can't find it. Like I said, uh, Quad Brown, I think, went to... Tennessee A&M or something like that. There's this. Let's find out. Let's, let's let that do that. But, yeah, like I said, that's, that just shows you where Georgia State is in the program. Is uh, and, and that's – I like the transfer portal. And I like the transfer portal. There it is. I like the transfer portal because it's basically like free agency. Imagine you sign up to go to a college or university for at least three to four years. And you think you're going to get an opportunity to uh, play whatever position it is that you play. It doesn't matter what, what position it is at this point. And uh, you battle it out, you battle it out, and uh, for whatever reason, you don't get the opportunity. Maybe you keep getting beat out, maybe you're getting injured, things like that. Or maybe you just need a fresh start. And so you get the opportunity to go somewhere else. I mean, you get to do it in the real world. If you're, you know, where you're working now, if you feel there's a better opportunity somewhere else, you have the ability to up to up and try to go somewhere else. You, you know, it's nice to give notice to the company you have, but if you don't, it's fine too. Yeah, I mean, you can just walk out and go do something else. So why can't we let these college kids do that?
Uh, let's see. Here's that list. Uh, now, we did get somebody, by the way. We got Bryson Broadway, who's an offensive tackle. He's going to be pretty good. Um, let's see. Not doing the best of telling me what I need to what I need to know here. But yeah, we've had a couple transfer out. We got a couple that are up for transfer. That's fine. We we don't hold anything against them, you know. Uh, sorry. I mean, we're getting a uh, we're getting a kicker in Jake Marion. Should be fun. Uh, Chris Bacon is transferring out, and uh, Lamar Mullins. Good for these. Good for these guys. You know, like I said, that's what the transfer portal is for—to give them a better opportunity. And we wish them the best. The latest, I think it's. The Georgia State Panthers have a uh, podcast, and the latest one, they turn it over to Coach, along with a couple, uh, his his OC and his DC, I believe, and that is, that is a fantastic listen to those two. Uh, they're in those new positions. Or I know it's his OC. It may just be one of his coordinators, or I mean one of his uh, defensive coaches, but uh, it's a good listen. Go check it out. Coach Elliott is, is a blast to talk to. Even uh, in not the best of circumstances, but either way, uh, good luck to the Panthers. We'll see you guys on, on uh, April first. Let's talk some rugby. Rugby ATL. Now they had their opening game. It happened to be a home game. I was able to attend that. It was a lot of fun. It is now over at Silverback Park, not at Lupo Field. Lupo Field had some. Uh, Weather-related things they're having to deal with over there. So for this season, we're at Silverback Park. Now, this is a slightly bigger park as far as, um, you know, parking, things like that. I mean, Lupo wasn't that bad. It's a, it's a slightly more spread-out park. I don't know if it's necessarily bigger, but it's, more, it's a little more spread out. The fans enjoyed it. There are seats on both sides. You're able to spread out and walk around, and and uh, I think there's actually a restaurant, some kind of grill or something. I didn't get a chance to check it out, but I had a good time, and so did everybody there, including Rugby ATL, who won this 55 to 22. 55 to 22. Now, about 60 minutes into it. Uh, let's say right before that. Yeah. Because they, they faced off, of course, with Old Glory DC, who is, is a really good squad. Always a good squad. You can always pencil them in for potential playoff. 
Um, right at the, I would say, about the 57-minute mark of an 80-minute match. So, talking about two-thirds of the way in. DC scores to make it uh, 27-22 ATL at that point. Just a five-point lead. And then, four straight tries, all minutes apart for Rugby ATL, who caused all kinds of chaos. They caused all kinds of turnovers, and that was the big story of the game, really. Uh, they get to try in the 80th minute, or no, in the uh, the 58th minute, the 63rd minute, the 65th minute, and the 71st minute. And suddenly it goes from 27-22 to 55-22. And this is something we have not seen a lot from Rugby ATL. A lot of times we've relied on our defense last year. And that defensive front, and then we would pick and choose and find. We'd pick and choose and find our, our opportunities and uh, win close battles. This team this year looks very aggressive up front. The defense is still there. They cause a lot of turnovers, a lot of chaos. Uh, it's, you can definitely tell the slightly difference in philosophy between, uh, uh, Steve Brett, who was taken over as the head coach, who was the assistant last year and, uh, former coach Scott Lawrence, which shout out to him. He is now one of the coaches for USA rugby, I believe on the defensive front and you couldn't get a better one. That's nothing personal to Steve Brett, but uh, as far as who's watching your defense for the USA squad, there's not a better one. But you know, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that that Lawrence is the inferior coach here. It's like no, it's difference in philosophies. Some like to play defense, some like to play offense. So the NFL is the same way. Is your coach more defensive oriented or offensively oriented? And in this one, and it may just be the personnel for what we know, Coach Lawrence could have wanted to be more aggressive this year with this team. But either way, congratulations to uh, Steve Brett. This is, yeah, it was fantastic. Had a uh, had a great time. We were able to answer some of the questions that myself and Chris Wyatt on the preview had, like who's going to handle kicking duties. Well. That's real easy. It was Joaquin De La Vega Mendia, who is once again in the starting lineup for today. We wanted to know when you'd lose uh, such a firecracker, such a fireball, all-around-the-game type guy um, like Mark O'Keefe, who now plays, I believe, is he in Dallas? No, I think he's in one of the Texas squads. Um, but a fireball. I think the best example I can give people is is Troy Palomalu, who used to play for the Sealers. Wherever the ball was is where Troy is. Well, that's the way Mark was. He was constantly on the ball, constantly just running all over the place, uh, just in the middle of everything. Well, this year, 
we saw early who that was, and that was Austin White. Austin White was on the team last year. He was he was starting to get his feet wet. It just opened up this year, and uh, he he did some just fantastic things. Now Damon Torres had a couple tries. He did some fantastic stuff. Uh, let's see who else had tries. Uh, John's Van Rem, uh, Rensburg had the opening try after a uh, kick we did. Uh, Austin White, of course, had the one right before halftime. That was fantastic. There's the ones from Torres. Oh, uh, uh, Te Rangatira Watokia had one. Duncan Van Skalkwick had one as well. Who did I miss? I missed some. Oh, and then uh, De La Vega Mendia. They just said the kicker. He was able to grab one there late in the contest. It's just fantastic when you start. And see, here's the way rugby works. It's not just you get like I think you get three points for a win. If you win by a big enough margin, then you get a bonus point. If you win certain ways, then you get a bonus point. So as of right now. But the ATL is in first place. They're in first place with their next game coming up tonight. They are in New Orleans to face Nola Gold, who it's hard to say after one year is your rival, but them and Nola usually get into physical battles. And I expect nothing less. That game is tonight at 8 o'clock. We will be watching here at the home studio because, obviously, we are not in Louisiana. would love to be. just uh, didn't work out logistically for us, which, in all fairness, we weren't planning to go. So that's probably why part of why it didn't work out. But we'll be watching the home studio. You can as well. You can download the Major League or the Rugby Network app. It'll say TRN on it, uh, the Rugby Network, or you can go to the rugbynetwork.com. Either one of those will work. You can watch all the MLR, MLR action, Major League Rugby. You can watch other rugby action. It has all kinds of stuff on that website. It is fantastic. They do not charge for that, and you should take full advantage. Sometimes you can find it on TV. Tonight's ATL game, I've, I've checked and checked. I didn't see it on anything other than the Rugby Network. So make sure to check that out. Make sure to watch. We will, uh, myself and Chris Wyatt, we're going to be trying to do post games after practically every game that we can. Uh, we're doing some, some fun stuff with that. There will be one tonight, I'm pretty sure. Uh, if not, we'll, we'll have some sort of something. But let's get into some NFL. We're going to talk some NFL. We're going to finish up with the Super Bowl. Things that have happened since we last talked, which, yes, was a while back. I, I saw when the last show was. Uh, Sean Payton stepped down as the head coach of the Saints. The initial thought was, as well, he's eventually going to be the Cowboys coach. Maybe. Or he's going to go to the booth. Yeah, I could see that. Because about this time of year is when the networks start to figure out who is going to go where. Now, they'll still audition him. They'll still put him in a booth with somebody in a practice format and see what's going to happen. The thing that Coach Payton needs to keep in mind, you need to be, you can be a little biased, that's fine, but you need to be honest. So in his case, if the Cowboys 
or the Saints are playing in the game he is calling, and there's a good chance at some point he will, because even Drew Brees had to call a Saints game. You need to be honest. You need to call something out that, hey, that was great. We don't need to hear a call back to when you were there. You don't need to go, oh, wow, I wish we would have done that when we were here, or, or, well, that's a little different than what I would have done. You can get away with some of that, but for the most part, like, let's say the Saints are playing the Cowboys, and Mike McCarthy once again mismanages the clock. This is a time for Sean Payton to say, yeah, you got to manage the clock better there. You missed an opportunity to put points on the board. You got to say stuff like that instead of going, well, he was trying and here's what he was thinking. No, no, you need to call him out. And I'm not just saying that because uh, I'm a Cowboys fan and, and uh, I'm calling out Mike McCarthy because the fact that we kept both coordinators, we, like I play for the team, the fact that the Cowboys kept both coordinators and their head coach uh, is a good thing. And in all honesty, I actually think Mike McCarthy is the better head coach of the two, of the, of the three. So, but anyway, could Sean Payton go to the booth? Yeah, I see that. I see that as the possibility. Could he be the Dallas Cowboys head coach in a year? Maybe, but I think he's going to like the he's going to like the freedom and and the fact that he can go home and see his family. When you're a coach, you're pretty much there twenty four seven at the facility, always doing things. You miss out a lot. So I could see I could see Coach Payton adjusting and liking the booth or a studio role a lot better. Uh, the Bears hired Kansas City executive Ryan Poles as their GM. I very much like that hire. The Bears have got to do some different stuff. We all know that. The Bears have to change some things around. They, It's kind of like the Lions. They, they've been better than the Lions, but... We see what we see what a good uh, coach and, and direction can do. That that the Lions are actually looking up a little bit. But you know the Bears they they get Ryan Poles coming from Kansas City, a winning organization, a very well put together under Brett Veach and, and Coach Andy Reid. And then Ryan Poles brings in Matt Eberflus. I like this. This is different. We're going to see what he does with Justin Fields. I've, I've, I've saw a very small percentage of people say that uh, they should trade Justin Fields for what they can get for him and, and go from there. Why would you want to do that? You finally have uh, at least a pretty good at least a pretty good you know, idea of what's going on at quarterback. And then the next thing you want to do is is just start over again. Bear with them, Bears fans. I know there's lack of a better thing to stick with them. All right, just give them a second, all right? Um, let's see. But I like the hire. I want to see what Ryan Poles is going to do. Him and he gets to pick his head coach, so hopefully he picked one he can get along with. That is usually what happens. The Vikings have hired Cleveland 
executive, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa as their GM. Browns have a good organization. They do fall short here and there, and I get that. But at the same time, Adolfo Mensa is a really, really, it, it's going to be a loss for, for Cleveland if they don't have him in the office anymore. And uh, the Vikings know they've got to do something different. They're another organization, just like Miami, that I, I think this is an issue at times. The Wolf family, in it. Anyway, the ownership in Minnesota. Do not live in Minnesota. I believe they're out in California. Just like the ownership of Miami lives up north in New York. I don't know how you can be the owner of a sports team and not at least be within an hour or two of of the home office, the state, the, the stadium. And that's why sometimes I think you see the chaos that you do. The Vikings are a team that are just right there. They're on the cusp of of right on the edge of the playoffs. And then they would be a dangerous team if they were in the playoffs. I mean, we could go through their roster. Kirk Cousins is going to be the first thing you bring up anyway. But Kirk Cousins is good enough to get you there. The first step they needed to do was was to hire a good GM. So that's what they did. And then not to be outdone, they brought they're bringing in Kevin O'Connell. Now think about this too. All right, you, anybody who's still in the playoffs, like Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator of the Rams, it's not official till it's official. So I mean, technically he could he could Josh McDaniels his way out of this, like McDaniels did. We'll get to him in a minute. Daniels did a couple years ago with the Colts. But Adolfo Mensa brings in Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell to work with Kirk Cousins. We're going to see if Kirk can elevate that level and elevate the rest of the team. Because O'Connell's going to do what he can to get everything out of it. Uh, the other head coaching vacancies and the things uh, everybody has a seat now because we can't see the quarterback carousel can't get started up until the coaching carousel was completed. Well, it's been completed. The Broncos are hiring Nathaniel Hackett. I think in the hopes that Aaron Rodgers goes there, but even if not, Nathaniel Hackett is a, a solid offensive mind. He's been up for Jaguar positions and things like that before and other ones across the league. Uh, I think it's just Hackett's time. They said he's super smart, super clever with how he comes up with with uh, schemes and plays and ideas. So the Broncos need something over there. They they definitely need a quarterback, but they need something. The Giants have hired Brian Dayball. Not Brian Flores. Brian Dayball. Uh, the Raiders are hiring Josh McDaniels. We'll see what McDaniels can do. I think McDaniels' Derek Carr is going to be fun. I I see him wanting to hang on to him. That's probably 
the best quarterback he has he has uh, dealt with as a head coach because obviously he dealt with Brady as a coordinator. Uh, but McDaniel's to the Raiders, I like it. It's they needed a splashy hire and they needed somebody with a solid pedigree. And well, that's that's Josh McDaniel's. Uh, the Jaguars have hired Doug Peterson. I'm glad Doug Peterson has a job. I'm glad it is with an organization that he can do some fun things with. We will see if he can. Former, I mean, former, he's not former. He's, he's a past Super Bowl champ up in Philadelphia. The weird thing for me is, is that it looked like the Jaguars were going to hire His name escapes me now. From Tampa Bay. And what he said was, well, you got to get rid of your GM. I don't want to work with the GM. And instead, they chose to keep the GM and hired Doug Peterson. And here's another thing. They interviewed Doug Peterson in, what, November after they got rid of Urban Meyer. So you're telling me, Byron Leftwich, that's who it was. So you're telling me, that you interviewed this guy in November or December, whenever it was. And you continue to do your coaching search and you looked at everybody else and was even and even tried to even tried to hire somebody else, but because you didn't want to go with their plan. Now you want to go with the guy that you interviewed months ago? I mean, I give credit to Shad Khan and uh, Tony Khan, because Tony Khan uh, does a lot of stuff with AEW that we talk about here on another show. I give them credit. They, they've done a lot. They're in a, a weird market, a weird scenario. Jaguar fans are as passionate as anybody. I've been I've been to Jacksonville for a game. I've tailgated with with uh, you guys, the fans. Fantastic fan base. I defend them all the time here, even when they probably don't need to be defended. They're a very passionate fan base. They're a they are into their team. They want to see a winner. I think Doug Peterson's going to give them one of the best shots that they've had in a while. Now it's about developing Trevor Lawrence. And it's about developing the rest of this team. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Dolphins are hiring Mike McDaniel, who is the offensive coordinator of the 49ers. Yeah, Shanahan's losing that. So, as I've told many Dolphin fans that I encounter on a daily basis, maybe you guys are going to invest in a run game finally and go get some some running backs. You got some decent ones, but this is going to be a very run-heavy, run-first style, I think is the way he's wanting to run this, the same way Kyle Shanahan does. He comes from that system. So Dolphin fans, there's that to be excited about. The Texans hired Lovey Smith. Congratulations to Lovey Smith. He was in the building. He was already a part of the organization, which is fine. I don't necessarily think 
that the Brian Flores situation played as big a part as people think they did. I really think that what the Flores situation, which I will talk about in a minute, what that did was cause some teams to evaluate their process. And when the Texans reevaluated their process, they decided to talk to someone in-house. And I'll get a little more into the, the Flores thing in a second. And Lovey Smith has been a quarterback, I mean, has been a head coach before. Did a good job up in Chicago. I thought he was doing a good, a great job. And now he gets a chance to run the Texans. The first thing he's going to have to figure out is Deshaun Watson going to be a part of this team. And if he's not, the second thing you have to figure out is where is he going to go? What are we going to get back? Because the third thing kind of ties into that, and what you get back, are you going to get another quarterback in return, or are you going to go with Davis Mills? I think Davis showed you a lot, but, you know, depends on what Lovey Smith and, and uh, the GM down there wants to do. And then lastly, we talked about Sean Payton left. Well, they have basically promoted defensive coordinator Dennis Allen in order or, or up to head coach. Everybody kind of thought he was the one in waiting anyway, but they had to go through their process. And in going through their process, he ended up being the guy. So we'll recap real quick. The Bears have Matt, uh, brought in Matt Eberflus, the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, the Giants, Brian Dayball, the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, the Jaguars, Doug Peterson, the Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, the Texans, Lovey Smith, and the Saints, Dennis Allen. Now, uh, Brady is retired for now. It seemed like uh, at first he was waffling about it. And I think what it was was that Tom Brady wanted to announce his retirement on his terms. And somehow it got to Adam Schefter and a couple others, and they released it before before he wanted it out. And so he tried to kind of waffle around about it. Then he announced that he's retired, and then a week later, or about six days later, he's like, ah, on his show, he goes, well, never say never. So either A... He's not sure he wants to be retired. Or B, he's totally jacking with us because he can't. This is, I, it could be a way of kind of going, oh, you think you're breaking news before I get a chance to break the news, my own news. So maybe um, I put some doubt in people's mind. Although he knows how the schedule works, so if he's going to come back, he's got about a month. About a month from now until he would need to really start making sure he is, is back in shape and things like that. To, uh, you know, to start getting ready for the season. Now, he knows it's a year-long thing, so I'm sure he's still training and things, but he knows. We now have a name. It is no longer the Washington football team, even though I was 
time if it left it at that. The Washington Commanders. Washington Commanders. I like that. Kind of a shout out to the military and and with Ron Rivera as your head coach. That's a really cool thing. I know he talked about that. And some of the media row things I have heard. Commanders. I think we could do something with that. Now, yes, that was the name of one of the AAF teams. So what? Not only the AAF exists in one. Use whatever you want. Um, I like it. They use uh, the uniforms. They'll grow on you. Because you're so used to the traditional uh, Washington look that they updated a little bit. And that's not saying they won't fix it again. But Washington fans, you know you're going to go buy the jerseys. You're going to go buy the hats, the t-shirts. Heck, I might get something. I don't know. And then also... The ongoing investigation and lawsuit involved Daniel Snyder, the owner, has said he is going to uh, conduct his own independent interview, or interview investigation, his independent investigation on the things going on. Okay, no problem with that. And the NFL said, yeah, we're going to do one too, separate from his. So... We have like three investigations into this lawsuit about um, office misconduct and, and just a lot of really bad things. Things that should be nowhere near any sort of office um, from former employees and things like that. And so we're, we're going to see. It's I think they announced the commander stuff in an attempt to in an attempt to kind of distract you from the fact that there's still an ongoing investigation. And, uh, I mean, congressional involvement. We'll see how that plays out. Here's my thing. At some point, at some point, the NFL is going to have to See if Daniel Snyder should still be an owner in the NFL. And they're going to have to consider the same about the Miami owner, Stephen Ross. And why would they have to do that? Well, Brian Flores, the former head coach of Miami he has a lawsuit against the NFL and it involves three teams as well and that's Denver the Giants and the Texans maybe about when he interviewed with them that it was uh, basically just status quo stuff that it was just, oh, we have to interview you because we have to interview you. And things like that. And he also has said that his owner, Stephen Ross, his former owner, or the owner of the team he worked for, let me put it better that way. That's not a good way to phrase that. The owner of the franchise he was head coach for offered him $100,000 per loss when they were trying to tank to get Joe Burrow or to a Tagovailoa a year. 
It started with Tua, then ended up being Joe Burrow. We'll see who everybody was after. Now, it's bad enough with uh, the NFL is going to have to work on their hiring processes for um, for GM and head coach as far as diversity. They're, they're, they're going to have to work on that. It's We all know it needs improvement badly. So that part of his his uh his lawsuit that that'll play out a different way. But if you find out if you can find out that Stephen Ross offered or paid money to Brian Flores for such or to to lose games, then now we got a problem. That violates a lot of different legalities, not just league policies. We're talking legalities, legal things. We're talking uh, crimes punishable by up to a handful of years in prison, federal prison. Because you also have to remember the NFL... With with uh, betting and you know DraftKings and and uh, BetGM now and and uh, you know all the like with fantasy football with all the betting involved in it. If you're paying a coach to lose games on purpose, then what's to say what if what if you or I bet on the Dolphins game last year or or during the time when this potentially happened? And we bet on them to win. Maybe we're Dolphin fans. Whether we are or whether or not, whether we had, maybe we had good odds. Maybe it was three or four to one odds for them to potentially win. And you go, okay. And then you find out that they basically threw the game on purpose. Then would we not have the right to maybe do a class action suit if we could prove that we made that bet and then somebody purposely purposely lost it, that would we not have a suit against the NFL and a suit against the Dolphins, a suit against Stephen Ross for throwing a game. So we would be betting on something. We'd be making a wager on something that was already determined. That's why you can't bet on pro wrestling. Because all you'd have to do is have an inside, uh, an inside track as to as to the outcome of what was going to happen. You just bet on. It. Oh, John Cena's going to win at WrestleMania. Well, I'm gonna, a month out. I'm getting uh, three to one odds that John Cena could win. I'm going to go ahead and bet. I'm going to bet the farm on that because I know. I already know it's going to happen. That's why you can't bet on wrestling. What? Daniel Snyder potentially either let happen or did or has done in the Washington, D.C. area is bad. It's bad in another direction. In my opinion, should he be out as owner? That's not really my call, but if you ask me, based on the things that he either allowed to happen or did himself, that is, if they if they've improved one of the probably ten things they're coming after him for, yes. 
if Stephen Ross is pay, tried to pay or is paying somebody for losses to lose a game, that is the integrity of the game. The NFL would have no course of action. The only action they would have would be you're out. They It would be a Donald Sterling thing. And that's – the problem is, is it's a brotherhood. Not really a brotherhood. It's uh, it's a it's a a boys club, so to say. It's a it's a special executive club when you are one of not really thirty two because Green Bay didn't have one. One of thirty one owners in the league, and it's going to have a lot to them being out of out of that group would a lot be up to the other twenty nine owners. Because a lot of these owners are going to look and say, hey, why well, I don't do all this underhanded stuff. If everybody's going to start digging into our affairs, maybe they take something we did the wrong way or misinterpret something and they come after me and then I'm out. So it's going to be real difficult. We're going to have to see where all the all the things lie, where all the, the cards lay, so to say. And once we find out all the information... We just have to act from there, but I very much I want to acknowledge and commend the effort of Brian Flores for calling attention to any of these potential violations of of, uh, of human rights to a point. I mean, this is this is about being a good human. It's something I preach about on here all the time. At the end of the day, be a good human. A lot of stuff is where people aren't being good humans and doing the right thing, giving people fair shakes of things, trying to mess with the integrity of the game, those kind of things. But Flores, just like Kaepernick, knows, I hope he knows, that in calling attention to this, it may mean his, his coaching career. It may be very difficult for him to be a coach in this league, a head coach. I mean, he, he may get back to a coordinator at some point. And uh, is that necessarily right? No. I didn't agree with it with the Kaepernick stuff because I, I thought he should have been given a chance to. But in Flores' case, it's kind of hard to get a top position with a company, with an organization, that you currently have an active lawsuit against. It would be like in your job. If something happened at your work and you decided to make a lawsuit, whether you are 100% in the right, whether you win it or not, does not matter. If you sue the company you work for, there's a real good chance you're not going to ever work for them again whether you win or not. And Flores may have, have signed his, his, own, uh, his own fate there. But once again, I, I, I'm glad he called attention to this because these are things that needed to change. These are things that I could talk about or you could talk about, but until the people who make these decisions start considering and talking about it. Nothing was going to change. Maybe this changes a few things. Uh, lastly, before we get into Super Bowl talk, 
the NFL is going to play some games in Germany. Fact, I think they're going to play one this year in Munich. I think they have up to three, three more coming up in the next couple years. Because um, I believe this year we have one game in Mexico, we have two in London, and we have the one in Germany. It's the NFL expanding. They are a global brand. They are a global organization, and they know it. So why not do these things? As long as you get the teams and players to agree to it, which apparently they did. I think it's fun to expand like this. It's, it's showing your horizon. It's showing different things. There are markets other places. And also, this is a way to feel out if, if you could do feeder leagues or if you could do other activities there. What's to say that maybe one year we don't see a Super Bowl in London or Mexico or Germany, India, China, Japan, um, name it, you know? Probably won't see one in Canada because they have the CFL. Just throw that out there. Uh, well, Brazil, you know, wherever the big market is. I mean, what if? you could do a Super Bowl in another country. Why not? You know? But they're going to be in Germany. It's going to be fun. But now I want to get into Super Bowl talk because I'm excited for this. We're going to get the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the home team in this, quote-unquote, home team. Cincinnati Bengals, and they are going to be against the Los Angeles Rams. And this is at SoFi Field, which is the home of the Rams, but the Rams are the away team as far as this goes. These are two number four seeds. Two number four seeds. Because we saw both number one seeds go down the same weekend when uh, San Francisco took down Green Bay and Cincinnati actually knocked out Tennessee. Now, think about that because Cincinnati beat Tennessee 19-16 to on a walk-off from McPherson, who is fantastic. With Evan McPherson, great kicker. Just the guy, you think Joe Burrow is like, is uh, Mr. Laidback, uh, nothing bugs him. I think McPherson's right there with him. They just, ice water in the veins, will stand there and, and look at, look danger in the face. But that game, Tennessee sacked Joe Burrow nine times. Nine times. And yet they found a way to win that game. The Rams in that same weekend had to beat Brady and potentially retire him on that game and the Bucks in Tampa. Then Cincinnati had to beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Not easy. The Rams got a little lucky break. It didn't factor in that much, I don't think. But San Francisco had to travel to them the next week, and they were able to take care of that. That led us up to this game. So let's, let's talk about it. I like to break it down. Offense, defense, special teams, X-Factor. Start with Cincinnati. We know their offense. Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon. And an offensive line that is not the best, but they're not terrible.
they're not terrible. They're doing a pretty good job. I mean, yeah, the quarterback gets sacked nine times. That's, uh, yeah. But, in this case, their offense, very high-powered, one of the best running backs in the league, by far one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Jamar Chase is probably the best receiver in the league this year outside of uh, the guy we're going to talk about on the other side. But their offense, yeah, they can hang 30 on you. And it, they can hang 30 on you in, in a quarter and a half, you know, or just a, just one half of a game. We talk about their defense. Their defense, big on pressure. It's hard to throw on them at times. They uh, like to swarm around the ball. And they will pick up sacks uh, when they need to. Their defense has been pretty stellar. Special teams. Just talked about McPherson. Their special teams is really good. When you have one of the best kickers in the league, and it's not just because you're in the Super Bowl, no, McPherson's one of the best kickers in the league, it makes it easier. And knowing that he can kick from like 60 yards, that makes, hey, when you're the head coach, when you're uh, Zach Stacey, you look and you're like, hey, that's cool because we're going to try some things. If it don't work, I know he can hit the kick. I know we're at least going to get three points here. Think special teams isn't important? Ask Green Bay who lost to San Francisco because their special teams couldn't keep it together. Multiple times, they could not keep it together. They have a new special teams coordinator now, which is Rich Bisaccio. Bisaccio? Bisaccio? Okay. Rich Bisaccio, who should have been the head coach of the Raiders, but then they hired McDaniels. We talked about that. But, uh, hey, he's getting an opportunity here. He's getting an opportunity. If he goes over there and fixes or even slightly improves the special teams in Green Bay, it puts him back in line for consideration somewhere down the road. This guy can coach. How important special teams? Uh, Mike Tomlin, former special teams coordinator. Jim Harbaugh, or John Harbaugh, rather, special teams coordinator. These guys are some of the best coaches in the league. Some of the best coaches in the league. When you're special teams coordinator, think about it. You're always thinking about your special teams uh, punts and and coverage and kicks and and uh, field goals and kickoffs and returns and things like that. But also, you're getting to watch the offense and the defense from the from your side and the other side the entire game. You're getting a, a, a up close and personal look. So in a way, you get an advantage because you know you can take care of the special team side of it. Now you can worry about the other two facets. But uh, yeah. McPherson, he gives them a big advantage. I'll talk about the X Factor at the end. The L.A. Rams, let's talk about this offense. Matt Stafford, having a stellar year. Turns out the kid's still good. I say kid, he's like 32, 33, 34. He's younger than me, so he's a kid. Uh, has that been able to come over to the Rams and do some really good things. He is, like I said, he's had a pretty stellar year. He's gotten them here. He proved that in the big game, Matty Stafford can still win the big game. And he also shows us how much chaos 
that Detroit has been in in years. I think they're coming out of that a little bit. Like I said, I like a lot of things they're doing. Then we go to the running backs. Another former dog, Sony Michelle. Know about him? They traded for him. Um. Gosh, I just forgot their other running back's name, the one that just came back. Um, what is his name? It is... Let's see. It is... There it is, Cam Akers. God, sorry, Cam. Cam Akers returning off the horrific, was it Achilles or was it his name? I think it was Achilles. He came back in eight months on Achilles. The only people to do that are like pro wrestlers. Just exceptional. And then we can't talk offense without talking about Cooper Cup, who, you know, like I said, if not for Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase is probably the best wide receiver in the league. Cooper Cup had a off-the-charts, an off-the-charts year where he just caught everything and ran for everything. But then, you know, they had Robert Woods go down but signed Odell Beckham. Everybody's like, oh, Beckham, I mean, he's really good, but can he keep his head in the game? I mean, look, it didn't work in New York, and it didn't work in Cleveland, and then... Odell Beckham has been exactly what this team needed to keep everything going. Now, they're going to have a real interesting offseason where they're going to figure out between him and he wants to stay. And they also got Robert Woods. And at some point, you can't keep everybody. I don't know if it'd be between those two. Maybe they can, but that's something we'll talk about after Super Bowl. But when you're Matt Stafford and you can hand off to Sony Michelle, you can hand off to Cam Akers, or you can throw to Cooper Cup, or you can throw to Odell Beckham Jr. Among among every other, these are just the names you guys are familiar with. I mean, we'll go up and down these charts. These offenses, I mean, this may be a shootout. May. These defenses are really good too, though. Which brings us to the Rams defense. Names you know. You got Aaron Donald. Got Eric Weddle, who is going to be calling the plays. Eric Weddle, who was retired two months ago, comes back and turns out he can still play. Was playing pickup basketball to stay in shape. That's fantastic. And you got Von Miller, arguably one of the best in his era. Comes over from Denver, has a chance to win another championship here. This defense doesn't play. Because if you double one of those two, then you freed up somebody else who's coming at you. And they're right on par with the, the level of intensity. Special teams, same thing with the Rams. Uh, with their kicker. Kicker's name. Oh, Gay. One of the best kickers in the league. I know he did well in fantasy for a lot of us. <laughs> But uh, that's nobody cares about our fans' teams. 
uh, he's he's as money as McPherson is. He just hasn't had to make a lot of those big kicks. Now he's made some just gigantic kicks, but they've got the return game. They've got just just kickoffs in general. You don't run back on the Rams very often, and if they do have to punt, they have great coverage teams. This game could very much be decided. Could very much be decided by a special teams play. But now we get to the X factors. The X factor in Cincinnati is that offensive line versus the X factor for, well, there's a couple for the Rams. But so for Cincinnati, it's their offensive line versus that defensive front that includes Aaron Donald and Von Miller and many, many other. Pro Bowlers. Can that offensive line keep Matt upright enough so he can make plays? Can he get the ball out quick enough to help him out? Can they establish a run game to back him up a little bit? That's their that's the Cincinnati X Factor. The X Factor for the Rams is as good as Matt Stafford was this year. He either led the league was in the top two or three. I'm pretty sure he led the league in interceptions and pick sixes. So the X factor for them is limiting turnovers, especially at the quarterback position. That's how this game's going to play out. If Cincinnati wins, it's because Matt Stafford threw an interception or a pick six, or they turned the or the Rams turned over the ball at, at the most inopportune time. If the Rams win this, it's because their defense got through the offensive line, and put Joe Burrow on his back, put him on the turf. That's where this game lies. All kinds of other things are going to be in it. But it, think of it like a circus. You go to the circus to see one thing. Maybe you go see the lion tamer. Maybe you go see the trapeze. Maybe you go see the clowns. But everything else there is entertainment and a bonus. Well, here, that's what it is. When you come to the, the uh, just, I mean, Barnum and Bailey style, fantastic, biggest show on earth, Super Bowl. Yeah, come for the McPherson field goals. Come for the uh, uh, field goals from Gay. Come for the Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase connection. Come to see Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup put on a show. But at the end of the day, this game comes down to can Cincinnati's offensive line hold back the defense and the rush attack of the Rams? And can Matt Stafford not turn the ball over and throw pick sixes? That's what it is. It all comes down to that. So as we conclude today's show, and then we did go a little over an hour, thanks for bearing with us. I appreciate you guys so much. As we continue to make this grow, I promise you this will be a more regular thing. You will see us uh, every week. Um, we've got a lot of things squared away. I promise you we will. You will see us every week. Um, now to my Super Bowl pick. Ever since I found out these two teams were playing, as I said, because what Cincinnati won first and then the Rams won 
the following game. So we knew what the matchup was going to be. We knew it was going to be in SoFi where the Rams play, but we also know that the Rams are the technical away team, which does give them an advantage. They get the coin, they call the coin toss. Tails, by the way, Rams, tails. You always call tails. All right, quick side note, Rick, uh, Ross Tucker earlier, Ross Tucker the, uh, the other day on, uh, I think he was on the Dan Patrick show, he said, you always call tails. And the reason you call tails is because if you look at a coin, uh, the head protrudes out of the other side, and it's actually heavier, so it always fall, it falls more towards the bottom. He said he completely made that up, but that sounds pretty good. And uh, it's kind of a thought I've had, too. But um, it does, all right, either way, from the time they made this matchup, I just feel that as much fun as it is to see Joe Burrow in Cincinnati doing great things, they are the young up-and-comer. And the Rams are the veteran squad who have been there before a couple years ago. This is a slightly different team. Got the good story with, with uh, Matt Stafford and all that. that especially plays here locally, Sonny Michelle, all the dogs. I think the Rams are going to win this game. The Los Angeles Rams are going to win this game. It's going to be fantastic. They're going to win at home. <laughs> it's crazy. Just Brady and Tampa did last year. Um, it just, uh, or a couple years ago, whatever. I think the Los Angeles Rams are going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. It's going to be 34-31, something like that. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Matt Stafford doesn't turn the ball up. I think he's going to have one pick. I don't think he goes unscathed. For one, Cincinnati's defense is really good, especially defensive backs. But I just feel like the Rams are going to win this game. So, there you go. I got the Rams. Who do you guys got? Yep. Do the Blues Clues thing here. Shout it out. Shout it out. Yep. Who what? Yep. There you go. Hope everybody has a uh, good rest of your week. We will see you guys uh, maybe mid-next week. We're still trying to pencil in when the show will actually drop. Or this will be a reoccurring thing. Uh, this show will drop here in a few months. But I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Thanks for tuning in. Remember all the ways you can find us at the Impact 99, at Team Impact Media. Search for us, Impact Media. Strong Style, Board Check, That Sports Show. All that all the fun things. Be safe out there. At the end of the day, remember, be a good human. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.